Father, thanks for my friends. Thanks for your word. Thanks for a new morning and a new opportunity to uh, to serve you and to be about you, to consider our ways and, and order them in a way that uh, brings honor to the one who made us. Give us your wisdom as we look into your word, creating us a clean and willing heart to follow hard after you. Allow us to put the things aside that uh, encumber us and keep us from uh, experiencing the joy of of genuine pursuit. We pray, Father, as we look in the Word together for the next hour and half or whatever, that it's an eternal time, that you will fix things on our souls that will continue to spur us, that will guide us, that will remind us with the, the taking of breath, what we're to be about. We are basically selfish, uh, lazy people, Father, and we need you to, to stir us. Uh, we recognize that uh, even as we go to your word, that we need you to quicken us so that this stuff makes sense and this stuff becomes life to us. So we give ourselves to you that you do that, Father, that you make us more like your son this day. And we pray in his name. Amen. Come on in. This is one of my uh, favorite pieces of, of theology, uh, honestly. We, last week we talked about the importance of, of God in knowing who God is affects our worship, affects how we live a worshipful life. This is the essence of theology as opposed to those things that we learn about God are supposed to transform us. And one of the things that is not spoken of enough, I think, in the raising of men, is this very issue that uh, we get to wrestle with this week. And that's the whole idea of being made in the image of God. This pinnacle, this, this point of creation that God rolls around and he creates things in such a magnificent way by the word of his mouth and speaks of his incredible power. And then he gets to this part of his creation where he's making man. And he has this great expression, or this, he explains it this way in Genesis 1, 26. And he said, then God said, let us, nice little reference here to the Trinity, let us make man in our image, again, plural, According to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. I love this. Create man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And he goes on, he talks about the rest of the garden. But this, this, the way he expressed his creation is that he made us in his own image. And I mentioned in passing last week uh, that the twisting of our journeys and our life and our self-images have so much to do with the fact that we're busy trying to create God in our image, where, in fact, the Word of God says He created us in His image. 
So those things about us that reflect God, the image of God, are fantastic. They make us unique to all, from all creation. I also mentioned that, you know, this is one of those deals. I, I, it deserves, you know, a great Sunday morning, and I'm deferring to uh, my friend to, to preach that someday, just to preach on what it means to be made in the image of God. The difference is the fact that we're not omnipotent, but we are creative. Where do we get our creative bend? Where do we get our desire to create things and make things happen? Because we're made in His image. God is a person. He's a personality. We're, why do we have personalities? We are so complex. We can show emotion. We can show great joy at the same time. We can show great sorrow. Where does that come from? It comes because we're made in God's image. The whole aspect of thanksgiving and being appreciative, that's not a normal thing in creation. That is special with us. Why do we appreciate when people thank us for what we're doing, what we do for them? Why do we get so much joy in giving? Because we are made in God's image. And God was real excited about this, obviously, and he put us in the garden, put Adam in the garden, and he gave him responsibility. And this passage pours out basically three, three responsibilities he had as he carried this weight, this responsibility. You're made in the image of God. You have, you have something to do now. You cannot dodge. You have, you have a clear purpose in life. You're, we are made in God's image. Go do something with it. Well, they were told to, do, to control the earth to care for it and to use it, to control it in the sense of uh, uh, using our time and our resources and, and all of that, to control that environment, the, the created environment that God gave us to steward. And he also said that to care for, which is to exercise stewardship as a gift, managing what he, what he has given us, and the idea of using it to deploy or to make his name great. This is what Adam was told to do in the garden. But we know that something shortly after there, or whatever time period happened after that, where sin entered the world. And oftentimes we, we think because sin entered the world that all of a sudden God just scuttled the whole plan. That no longer were we of any value because we were once made in His image, and now because sin entered the world, we're, we're now rendered useless or worthless. And that is simply not the case. What we learn from Scripture is because we're made in God's image, we still have responsibility. We still have a weight to steward the things that God has given us. To use all these special things that make us different than all of His other creation in order to minister to one another and to make His name famous. Yes, sin did affect the way it played out and is playing out. And it does affect our day-to-day. But there's still an overriding purpose to us being made in the image of God. The exciting part is that as sin entered the world through one man, this would be your Romans 5 passage, also reconciliation entered the world through one man, Jesus Christ. And though he made it right, he twisted it and put the relationship and the opportunity for relationship back in place. Sin still has its play in life. It still has its adverse effects on us trying to be the people that God originally created us to be. We'll talk a little more about that next week. 
But we have this weight. We have C.S. Lewis is the one that coined this phrase, it's the weight of glory. And the idea is that you've been given such a great privilege that this weight, this responsibility, and it's the most incredible privilege that we'll ever have. And he goes, you carry this, and you're supposed to do something with it. Well, now as fallen people, we, we have to look again, well, we're not in the garden anymore. So what is it that we're supposed to do with this weight? Well, I suggest that we probably look at the other image, the perfect image of God. Colossians 1.15 says this. That Jesus Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. He is the perfect image. You and I are made in the image of God, but Jesus was the image of God. So we said, you look to that as, say, okay, what do you do with this weight of glory? Well, let's look at what Jesus, how he defined that role for us. And you think, well, what are all the different things that Jesus came to do? And, you know, we have this great list of wonderful things that he did as being fully God and fully man. But he was very clear in what he said his purpose was while he was on earth. And his purpose is found in Luke twenty-two forty-two. And I don't know if we, if we don't have that, then you can look it up and I'll read it to you. Do we have that? Maybe we'll look it up. Oh, I didn't see it up there. Excuse me. Oh, this is when he's in the garden. And he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. That Jesus, even in the garden, he said, well, he was on this mission. And it was nice and clear and it was easy for him to go to the cross. No, it was not. It was his submission to his father's will. In his fulfillment of doing what his father had wanted, that puts it all together. So you ask what our mission is to carry this weight of glory being made in the image of God. What's ours? Ours is likewise to do the will of the Father. And Jesus helps us out with this. Well, what does it mean to do the will of the Father? He's trying to simplify it. He's dealing with folks that are trying to put it together. So in the Sermon on the Mountain, in Matthew chapter 6, 33... He summarized our purpose statement for us, fellas. He tried to make it easy for us this Thursday morning. He knew in eternity this day would be here, and he was trying to package the deal for us. And he says this. He says, but seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, and all these things will be added to you. This is how you order your life. This is how you take the weight of glory being made in the image of God, and you prioritize it. And you start here. You put Jesus Christ first in everything that you do. You make him preeminent. You make him the focus of your family. You make him the focus of your relationships. You make him the focus of your existence. And you bring that part of you that God has made like himself. And you bring it fully to that relationship or that opportunity. You know, we spend a lot of time today, and the economy is not good, and there's a lot of stuff going on about careers, and there's more and more talk about that all the time. And honestly, I've been in that discussion for 35 years. People are always grinding away trying to figure out what their career is to be. And they spend so much energy on it, and they, they tie so much of their joy and their peace and their purpose to this career. 
where the scriptures are so clear, it says it's not the career that drives us. It's our calling. And our calling is made clear by these verses. That wherever we are, we are to be fully Christ. You are to know what your gift set is. You need to know what you bring to the game. And you need to be that in every venue that you're in. So the career doesn't become the defining moment. It's your calling. It's what you bring to the table as a follower of Christ. Now granted, careers are important. They are the things that God, by either passion or need or opportunity, provide for us this side of heaven so that we can provide physically for ourselves and people around us. But it's this calling that we're to pursue of being Christ to wherever we are that fulfills the very same thing that they did in the garden, to be about what God put us here for. So, in essence, you would define your career as your opportunity to exercise your calling. So it it really doesn't matter in eternity. And being eternal creatures, you're going to live a long time. What you might do for 20, 30, 40 years vocationally. But it does matter what you do with that time. It does matter that you take this calling of seeking the kingdom of God in everything you do so that God would be made famous. I find this very interesting. Over that, that, the, the same journey, uh, I talk to folks often just saying, you know what, what I really need to, to do is I, th- I, think, uh, I think I'm being called to the ministry. I think I need to go into ministry. And this baffles me. Because as I read the scriptures, I already see all of us in ministry, guys. I see every one of us with a calling that is supposed to declare to the heavens who we are and who we belong to and who made us. And the fact that He has gifted us uniquely and corporately so that we reflect this God who made us. You're in ministry. Whether you're in manufacturing or sales or service, pumping something out of the ground or putting something back into the ground, wherever God has placed you, that's your ministry. And God has gifted you to be there for these people. Your families. Your families aren't a sideboard or a side note. Your families are your ministry. And we all say, if you fail at your family then, and you've got a career, I'm going, really? Who talked you into that trade? Not a good trade. Because it'll never bring you the joy that Christ talks about bringing you. So what we're talking about, carrying this weight of glory, being made in the image of God, tainted by sin, but still we're very worth, we're filled with worth. And God wants us to continue to be His his spokes, his mouthpiece, his hands and feet to the world. Now, as we talk about all this, it's pretty interesting because you got knuckleheads like me that are saying, go, 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 go get them. You know, lean into it and don't quit. Follow hard after Christ. But if we're not careful, we miss one of these great things. And I thought it very, found it very interesting that our study this week twisted it back because 
we don't give enough uh, thought to this last piece of our lesson this week. Because in this great pursuit of being Christ, wherever you are, there's the need to rest. It's part of God's great design. Is He's not saying, you know, run as hard as you can, and when you drop, we'll use another. No, His purpose is there is a pace and there is a fulfillment to life. And that following after Christ means working hard, but it means also equally learning how to rest properly. To rest properly. Isn't that a great concept for a believer? That doesn't mean to be lazy or slovenly or or do things that are hurtful or harmful and distract from who you are as a follower of Christ. But it does mean to rest. And we finish with this passage in Matthew 18. It comes up. It says this, Come to me, all you who are are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. The invitation is to come forward. Those of you that have been running hard. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've come to a conclusion, fellas, that about this verse. That as we continue this, our pursuit of Christ and the need to have proper rest, and yet a lot of us continue to, to, to labor uh, and, and create such angst in our lives, and it can lead to depression, and it can certainly lead to a distorted view of what's important and how we spend our energies on all the things that really don't count. And then I read a verse like this, and I go, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And I go, what, my conclusions are this. One of two things. Either God is kidding us and not telling us the truth, or we're carrying the wrong stuff. Because if you have a sense of being so burdened that rest is not yours to have, there's not a pace in your life, there's not a joy to the things that you are about, then you are probably, and I am probably, engaged in the, the things that he has not intended me to be engaged in. It is one of the discerning things in your life that you can weigh your life, and if you are overwhelmed and you read a verse like this, you're, you, you have an option. Either Jesus is not telling the truth, and I don't want to go there, or you're carrying the wrong stuff. And it's the rest in this journey that helps you see what you're carrying and whether it's the right stuff or the wrong stuff. This yoke, I mean, there's a lot of fun you can do with all this and explain what it meant in the, in the biblical times and, and really what it means today. But the bottom line here is, is that you're engaging in things that are drawing, drawing you away from following Christ with a joy and a peace in your heart. And when you're dragging this stuff around, you're missing out on the things that he wants you to be. So this weight of glory that he has called us to is tainted even more. Because people see us under this pile in living life the way the rest of the world is, and they're going, what purpose is there in following Christ? This great, this great picture, he says, I'll give you rest, and I'll conclude with this. Just a couple of thoughts I've had about rest over the years. As I continue to look at my journey, and I've got some great people in my life that have sharpened me on this, and they continue to do that, because my desire is to never go sit on the bench. My desire is to go to the last day. And when he's through with me, he may retire me. But I'm not looking to go sit on the bench and ride out the season. 
And in order to do that, I'd have to learn to kind of process and how to deploy myself and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and surround myself and all these things. And so I have these, these quick thoughts for you. First of all, don't confuse busyness with godliness. The idea of staying real busy does not make you a godly person. What makes you a godly person is doing the things that Jesus wants you to do in a way that Jesus would have you do them. That's what makes you godly, not busyness. Secondly, I say close friends and community are God's provision for lifelines. This idea of community continues to be the thing we, we pound it here, but it, it's because the scriptures pound it. And it is the source to have people around you. They do, they do three things. Well, they do a lot of things for you, but the first thing is they give you pay. They help you have pace to your life, to know when you're, you're pushing it too hard or you're not pushing it enough. They also help you get peace, help you find that you're on the right thing and the purpose and that you're not wasting your gifts. And the last thing is, I said this, is the time set aside to listen is without exception the key. In Luke 9, 18, and I could have used a number of the passages where just very uniquely God just puts in his scripture that Jesus went off and spent time with his father. Jesus went off and spent time alone. Jesus went off. If you're not going off and spending time listening, then you don't know what God's saying to you. These guys, you can stay so busy either doing things that are apparently good or certainly things that are wasting your time. But in either case... If it's not what God wants you doing, then you're hurting yourselves. I've hurt myself. So my encouragement to you as you go this quest of carrying the weight of glory, that you remember that you've got a great responsibility. With this great responsibility, God's got pace. God's got purpose. And an incredible opportunity for peace. Go to your groups. Uh, we do have one announcement. I mean, uh, before I, I send you off here, is that we have a training day on uh, Saturday. I want to remind you about for the great price of ten dollars, you can take any number of uh, great little classes and courses that will be offered to you to further train you in your uh, your run for the gold. So have a great time in your group and have a great time of worship this week.